Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, welcome to the latest Bicycling Australia podcast. This is coming to you from our office in Surrey Hills, Sydney. Um, we've got a lot going on, so let's just get into it. First of all, the top stories on the Bicycling Australia website so coronavirus, it is the story that's got the whole world talking and it is actually impacting the cycling industry as well. Um, we've got a story on our website about the, the effects on races, the industry, bike shops uh, and, and an outlook over the year ahead or the next few months. We're also going to be talking to our guests very shortly about this very topical issue. Uh, the new edition of Bicycling Australia is out and that is the lead story on our website right now, the March-April 2020 edition. Matilda Reynolds of Specialised Women's Racing She's been the name or the writer of the season so far, uh, and she's on the cover, so keep a lookout for Matilda and grab a copy today. Uh, we've also got a real an, a fascinating story on our site that's getting a lot, of, a lot of interest, which is on the helmet debate, the ongoing helmet debate, and an article about um, helmet-free rides, or protest rides, if you like, in Australian cities. Okay, to our guests, we've got Peter Maniati, long-time Bicycling Australia contributor. G'day, Matt. Hey, Peter. Peter's itching to talk about these helmet laws, I can tell. Oh, yeah. Um, and Amy McPherson, a travel writer who's based in London and is actually, she's got a long history and association with Australia. Um, and she's here in Sydney and about to fly back to the UK tomorrow, I believe. Yes. Welcome. Just in time. Hello. Amy's got, had uh, two articles published in Bicycling Australia already. Um, another one coming up shortly. Amy, great to have you here in Australia. Thank you. Nice to be here. So, um, first to you, Amy, uh, just a quick summary of what you've, the work you've done for us so far. The Tuscany article really stands out. Yeah. An amazing travel, cycling travel article of your time in um, Lucca, Italy. Yeah, correct. Yeah, it was such an experience because, well, firstly, I got to meet Alison, who is a pro, ex-pro uh, from Canada, and she's chosen specifically to live in Tuscany because she loved it so much, and she now um, runs cycling tours around around Tuscany, mm. if anyone's looking for it, well, maybe not at the moment, because yes. we are talking about a coronavirus in a minute, I believe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it is an amazing place to ride, um, just the hills. It is indeed, and unfortunately a lot of that area is in lockdown at the moment it with is, the coronavirus. Sadly, yeah. Okay, so we, we're going to talk about it, uh, it, this, sorry, is not a coronavirus-free zone. <laughs> um, in recent years, so first of all, you've probably seen the video, Nathan Haas, um, of Team Confidus, uh, Miles Scottson's another Aussie, these and a number of other Australian or, and international riders are held up in an Abu Dhabi hotel 
Um, reports suggest they could actually be there for a couple more weeks in lockdown in a hotel. In other big coronavirus news, so four riders that were at the UAE tour have actually tested positive. Team Enios have said they won't race till the end of this month due to a combination of coronavirus and the very tragic death of their director sportif, Nico Portel. Terrible news. Mm. Uh, Mitchelton Scott have said they won't be racing till late March. Education First and Lotto Yumbo have made similar announcements. Um, it's not good news, is it? It's just, uh, to read this, you just think, how can this be possible? Strato Bianchi, Milan, San Remo are very likely to be cancelled. There's actually doubt over the Giro. Um, and just today we heard 14 team doctors have actually petitioned the UCI to cancel Paris-Nice. Mm. Peter Maniardi, this, like, if you couldn't make this stuff up. No, you couldn't. And I think um, we sat down probably three months ago talking about what was in store for 2020 and um, <laughs> there were lots of things we talked about and this was not one of them. Exactly. <laughs> Truth is a lot stranger than fiction, hey? Um, it's really the beginning of uh, an ongoing sequence. It's a chain reaction that's beginning to happen. We feared it might. And um, I think, to your point, with that announcement from the team doctors and, and, and some teams officially pulling out of these events, it, it's only a matter of time before other teams join join in. And, and I think they're, they're forcing the hand of the, the managers, the organisers of these events. RCS, I feel sorry for RCS, just the way the season yeah. is structured. Unfortunately, a lot of their blue ribbon races come at that front end of the classic season and they're really in the crosshairs at the moment and, and they're being forced to make a really uncomfortable decision. But I. You know, as we record it now, it hasn't been officially announced that they're cancelling Stradbianchi and, and Tirano Adriatico and those races, but I, I think reading between the lines, it's, it's it, it, literally by the time people are listening to this, that may have happened. Mm. Amy, um, your thoughts? You travel a lot internationally? I, I do, um, and I think this is... It's not just a pro cycling world that we're mm. talking about. It affects millions of fans that are travelling to these events and they want to be there. And they, you know, obviously, they've made plans and they're firstly but they're not possibly not going to be able to travel Italy I, I was speaking to a couple of people who are living in Italy at the moment and the way that um, no one knows how it's going to develop the mm. way that the virus is spreading mm. I mean possibly even they were talking about closing the borders I mean imagine closing yeah. an European border mm. um, and we're talking about economic impact we're talking about tourism impact mm. Um, and possibly travel insurance are not going to cover this if you do cancel. You do uh, just so everyone who's listening, please do check your travel insurance policies because it doesn't usually cancel things that hasn't technically happened to you personally yet. Mm. So that is something you do need to factor in. Okay. And yeah, so it, it it is a big issue. Um, I am worried to an extent, but I do still have to travel mm. unfortunately, and um, just taking care of your hygiene. Um, one of the main things is to make sure that you wash your hands, um, use those hand sanitizers, and I, I, I cross your fingers and hope cross for the best. Your, Well, that's the thing; it's a virus. Um, yeah. It's almost like it's like the common flu; you can get it anywhere. Mm. Um, so you can't really prepare for it. it is it seems, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it seems to be what's not. And again, this is yeah. we're talking specifically here about cycling, but this is much course, broader yeah. than just cycling. But it, it, the thing that seems to be paralyzing things at the moment is this uncertainty, and I think even. You know, at the, the World Health Organization level, that they they're acknowledging that there's so much we don't know about it. So it's yeah. really hard to, to speak with any confidence yeah. about what you should or shouldn't do, what exactly. will or won't happen, because yeah. nobody knows. But um, I mean, whilst we're still only in early March and the start of the spring classic mm. season in Europe, you can't tell me that ASO aren't already having you know secret meetings and emergency meetings about look, they, what if the unthinkable could happen? 
what if the unthinkable happens mm. and we come June and July yeah. in France and we can't stage the biggest event in cycling um, or we need to have that heavily disrupted? No. These are clearly conversations that are being mm. had. Watch this space. No, well, they're definitely having this conversation because just before I flew back to Australia this time, there were a report. There was a report that came out to say, well, if this continues, they are going to have to cancel the tour. Yeah. Uh, tour de France, mm. and th this will be the first time since 1945. Yeah. You know, it, it is a big deal. Mm. It's a massive deal. Just, um, you can't comprehend it, can you? No. Um, and even world tour points, which have already been disrupted. Haven't yeah. They? Look, I think um, in a funny way, this whole season's going to end up having an asterisk next to it. Um, because there are riders who have, you know, I mean, I look at someone like poor old Nathan Haas, who's up until maybe 24 hours ago seems to have had a pretty good sense of humour about everything mm. that's happening when he's stuck in Abu Dhabi, but even he's starting to get a little frustrated. You know, their whole season's been railroaded. Mm. Like, all of the work they've done over over the Australian summer, the European yeah. winter, to get ready for this Definitely. year, um, out the window. Poor old Kofidis, this is their first season back in the World Tour for a long time, and, you know, they're not able to, you know, you look at someone like Viviani, he would have had his sights set on some of the, you know, races like Nino yeah. Sanremo potentially, and there's other classics. Yeah. What's going to happen? Yeah. No idea. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know if he was joking or not. You can't tell with Adam Hansen. He's a bit of a brainiac, but he actually tweeted... He heard rumours of a handicap system for riders that have been unable to race uh, when they get back to future races. So, I mean, it's just yeah. so unknown, isn't it? We're in totally uncharted territory. I remember um, back in, the, I think, 2007, 2008, in Australia, there was a problem with equine influenza, which really crippled the yeah. horse racing industry in this country. Yeah. And um, whilst we were talking about elite animals there and not humans, um, a lot of the horses, you know, these are thoroughbred racehorses that need to race and they need to run to hold their condition. Mm. Cyclists are exactly the yeah. same. These poor guys and women are you know, at the peak of their physical powers for yeah. a reason. Yeah. And uh, they've peaked and they're, not, you know, they're just going to watch their condition waste mm. away. And obviously, with the um, uh, arduous race schedules these days, a lot of the racing is actually a training as well, aren't they? They can't sort of train yeah. in that race. They're, a lot of these guys, particularly the smaller teams like mm. EF Education First, mm. I mean, they're they're out. They've said they're out for about four weeks or so. So I guess they'll be they'll yeah. be training, but it's just such a concern. Um, so I guess watch this space. We don't know what's going to happen. It's so fluid, isn't it? I reckon a lot of KOMs are going to go on Zwift over the next month or two as a lot of these board yeah. pros jump on the trainer and start smashing things out in the, yeah. the virtual world just to keep they're some going kind to of shape. To. Yeah. yeah. Um, interesting times. <laughs> who would have Who would have thought? And as Peter said, we did that feature article on the, the outlook for twenty twenty. Everybody had some fascinating ideas, no but one no one mentioned a, a <laughs> contagion-style um, situation across the world. Yeah. Okay, um, we do have a lot more on COVID-19 and cycling over on our website, including those World Health Organization guidelines. The good news for cyclists is one of the guidelines is obviously the, the obvious, wash your hands, uh, personal hygiene. Um, one of them is to remain fit and healthy, and what better way to yes. do that than out on the bike? So yeah. just keep on riding. Don't worry about a tube shortage yeah. or anything like mm. the toilet paper mm. shortage. Just, just oh, yeah. stock up on tubes, you reckon? <laughs> Maybe stock up on a few tubes. <laughs> but overall, I think cyclists overall, you know, not to generalise, but we're in a pretty good place. So just keep doing what we do, train and ride our Grand Fondo events. We've got those coming up. Mm -hmm. Hey, um, a really big story. I'm really keen to get your advice, your, your thoughts on this, guys. Um, the helmet debate. Mm. The, the compulsory... Mandatory helmet debate is alive and well in Australia. 
Uh, first of all, Amy, you spent a lot of time in the UK, mm -hmm. I guess in Europe as in well, Europe, so. and Australia. Yeah. Uh, is the mandatory helmet law in place over there as it is, it is in Australia? Not. Yeah, so helmets are ma not mandatory in Europe in general. Mm -hmm. uh, there are perhaps some, small, uh, some countries that may have their own rules, but certainly not in the UK. Um, I don't know where the Australian debate is currently at, but I'm completely for the helmet, mm -hmm. just from my personal point of view, because it's actually saved me. Mm. Had a crash in Scotland last year, and really? there was a massive dent on my helmet. It could have been my head. Mm. So, right? so yeah, so um, that's. Uh, but then again, I understand people do have their opinions of mm. this is your own choice. You know, it's it's your choice if you want to wear a helmet. If it's your choice to be safe or not, you know, take a risk. Mm. So. Yeah. Well, the state of play in Australia, debate-wise, is basically like any debate. They start throwing bricks at each other. <laughs> it's pretty circular. Jeez. <laughs> well, we don't do that. Um, Pete, over to you. You've, you've had some words to say. Yeah, on look, I mean, obviously, this debate has been going on since mandatory helmet laws mm -hmm. first came into Australia, and they've been around for a long time now. Um, it dies down, other things take the, go you know, higher up in the news cycle, and then something will happen which will spark the next round of discussion. And it's always controversial, it's always heated. Um, and then, you know, where, what you think really depends um, where you stand primarily on choice, I believe. Um, I'm a, a club racing cyclist as much as a recreational cyclist. Um, I always wear a helmet. My personal view is I would never ride my bike even to the shops without a helmet. However, my personal view is also that adults should be allowed to choose whether they do that or not. Um, I know not everyone feels that way. I know plenty of people will probably be listening to this thinking, that's crap you don't know what you're talking about. Um, and a helmet, you know, like you say, Amy, I mean, I had a really bad crash in um, America writing for this magazine on a trip uh, with Cervelo a few years ago. And, and seriously, I, it was a very serious accident and I smashed sort of head and shoulder first into the ground at high speed. If I wasn't wearing a helmet, I, I may well have ended up in a wheelchair if not dead. Mm. And um, that was pretty scary. Mm. But, you know, should adults have to do anything? I mean, it's, it's tricky because there are other people yeah. who say, well, what's the difference between a helmet and a seatbelt? And that's a fair argument, and I can't, you know, it's, it's for your own good. Um, but I think the other issue that I always come back to is it's the opportunity cost of making people wear helmets. If people aren't going to ride at all because they don't have a helmet or yeah. don't want to wear a helmet, um, there are really significant health costs yeah. to that as well. And, and, and I don't know, I don't have the answer. Well, no, you're, you're completely right. I, I, I think people should be given a choice, mm. but they need to be educated on the, the consequences of these if choices. They don't, yeah. Well, that's the thing. A lot of the people, um, I'm, I, a lot of the times we debate about these things, you're, you're just fighting, as you said, you know, throwing bricks at each other. You're not talking mm. sense. You're not, yeah, you're not exactly. talking about the underlying effect of, well, if you do wear a helmet, it, it, this is, you know, it's going to save you mm -hmm. in certain ways. If you choose not to wear a helmet, then your life is definitely, you know, the safety is at your own risk. Yeah. Um, if you are a leisure cyclist who just go cycle to the shops and back with milk and bread, mm. then you know you take your own risks yeah. of when you are you know where you cycle. You know if you're only on the cycle path or if we're if we're doing high speed events, yeah. that is a completely different kettle. I, of, I agree with you. I yeah. think in a, in a racing environment or even a grand fondo, when there's yeah. a lot of people around, yeah. I, I think yeah, that that's one instance where I do believe you should you have should, to wear yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. But well, for what it's worth, I'm just going to wear my helmet regardless mm. because, I mean, we had a, a yeah. head-on the other day on a bike path in Sydney too. Oh. One rider just veered right and hit another guy. So 
mean, you just don't know. There's so many variables. Well, the very nature of an accident is, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, if if I can tell you now that you are absolutely going to have an accident on the way home tonight, you'd wear your helmet. Oh, exactly. You know. Or not get on the bike. Or not get on the bike at all. (laughs) (laughs) If only we had that luxury. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, just quickly, um, we want to touch on the current edition of the magazine with Matilda on the front, that nice bright photo of Matilda on a gravel section of the woman's tour down under. Mm -hmm. Um, And just as a side note, let's hope there's some gravel in the uh, 2021 TDU, if you're listening, Stuart (laughs) O'Grady. He likes a bit of gravel. Hey, um, Pete, you've got a fascinating article on Sir Bruce Small and the history of Malvern Star in the current edition of the magazine. Now, this is an iconic Australian brand. Yep. Can you just give us a little a teaser yeah. about this article? Well, Bruce is such an interesting character and a, a really colourful personality in the history of Australian cycling. So if you have an interest in the sport and you don't know much about him, um, it's a great article to find out about his influence. You know, back in the um, back in the nineteen mid nineteen hundreds, there were probably few people more influential on the sport off the bike hmm. than Bruce Small, who obviously was aligned very closely with Sir Hubert Opperman, who was probably our most influential cycling. Uh, person on the bike yeah. um, and then he obviously went on to, to do other things off as well but um, yeah he uh, really fascinating character grew up in Sydney as a boy ended up in Melbourne um, bought the shop that became all the star watched it grow along with the help of his brothers who were also part of the business and yeah. um, to cut a long story short he ended up as the Lord Mayor of the Gold Coast and he had a major um, major influence in, in the development of the Gold Coast and of the sort of the tourism mecca it is today. Great story. Check yeah. it out. Yeah, I've, I really enjoyed that. I've actually had feedback already. It's only been out a few days. Somebody's already told us they really enjoyed that, the yeah. historical pieces in the magazine. We've got some bike reviews in there, um, travel pieces. Uh, we've actually got a tribute to those affected by the bushfires and what cyclists can do to help. Um, just jumping back to travel, Amy, you've got some a couple of exciting trips coming up. Well, first up, you're heading back to London tomorrow, is that correct? Yeah. What via are you... Melbourne and Singapore. Via Eventually Melbourne. I'll get there. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, I think we've been talking about Portugal. Is that one of your next... Um, we are going, I am going to Portugal. We've been talking about um, the Canary Islands, which is actually part of Spain, okay. off the coast of Africa. Yeah. Amazing Fantastic. cycling yeah. paradise. Thank you, Peter, for backing me up. Yeah, um, yeah so I'm going to Lanzarote. Yeah. And it is essentially one of those places that pros will go and train in because it is a sporting island. The um, climate's just The climate's perfect. amazing. Almost yeah, year round. yeah. Wow. yeah. And, um, I mean, Lanzarote itself, I think, isn't as hilly as you would expect for um, hill training, but it is, it's got open roads, it's amazingly paved, so much better than the Sydney or the London mm-hmm. roads, yeah. to be honest, and um, they have the facilities to oh, train. Okay. So if you're after a great sporting holiday, um, maybe once the virus is calmed down <laughs> a little bit, um, come over our way. There were massive sandstorms on Grand Canaria just last week. They basically blew off the Sahara and across from Morocco. It's extraordinary photographs. It happens twice a year. Sandstorms happen on Lanzarote a lot too. And you can always tell if you've been to Lanzarote because your bike is completely covered (laughs) in sand. Every every little dent or whatever, it's just sand. So there, as you can see, we've got coverage from iconic Australia, you know, brands such as Morven Star Rights, through to international coverage, thanks to Amy and other writers. Um, guys, we're just going to wrap it up. Your final thoughts, I guess, coronavirus or COVID-19 is the big talking point. Mm-hmm. Amy, your final say on that for this podcast? I think don't panic. Um, we have a tendency to panic when something like this happens globally. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it is not something that you can prepare for. You know, it is treated as if, if you're going to get the flu, it's a, it's a virus. It will travel. 
Um, just look out for the signs, personal hygiene, and still get along, yeah, get around on a daily basis. That's mm. that's all I can say. Peter? Yeah, look, same, same as Amy says, and the only other thing I'm saying is that the, the silver lining on this cloud is we won't have to get up in the middle of the night to watch all the classics, so we'll get more sleep. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm just looking for something positive That's out of all right? I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic here. Okay, guys, thanks so much for listening. Um, subscribe to the podcast. You can subscribe to our print magazine and, of course, catch up on all the latest on the Bicycling Australia website. Thanks for listening. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.